Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. All right, Adam, how's it going, man? It's going well. It's going well. How you been since the last cast? I've, I've been good. Um, I wanted to tell you this story. So it's been about three weeks since we've met. Yeah, so there's, about, there, yeah. there's a lot that happened. But I want to tell you well, probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Definitely, definitely one of them. Yes. So, um, do you listen to Apologia Radio? Sometimes. Not, not very often. Okay, you should. They're, they're really good. Um, but one of their big things lately has been end abortion now. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep talking about that a lot. And so, uh, through listening to that, I got kind of convicted. I was like, okay, I need to do something um, about this. Um, and I met this guy. Well, I've known this guy in my church. But he introduced me to this other um, gentleman. He's a pastor of an evangelical Presbyterian church. And he went to the End Abortion Now conference a couple weeks ago. So he really got inspired. So he's been organizing a bunch of people to go out at one of the abortion mills in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, there are only three um, like Planned Parenthood clinics that actually carry out abortions. Okay. Out of all of them out there. In Indiana? or it, Yeah, Indiana, okay. actually. Um, so anyways, he organized a bunch of people to go out there. So I went out there um, just observing um, and seeing what they do. So they've got a big speaker and a microphone. I don't know if you've ever seen any of Apologia's Facebook videos. I've seen it. Yeah, I wanted to. They do. Okay, so it was very similar to that. So we could only stand like out, out on the grass, not actually on their property, right. not in the parking lot. And the way they had the parking lot set up is that the front entrance is all the way in the back of the parking lot. Right, okay. So you, we, we actually couldn't even see it from where we were standing. Gotcha. So we had the microphone up pretty loud. And he's, he's talking and everything, and this Kia pulls up, and they park, and there's a guy and a girl in there. And so this gentleman, his name is David, he, he just starts talking to the people in the Kia. And their windows were down, and they didn't roll them up, <laughs> interestingly. <laughs> um, I thought they would. But he starts talking to him. He goes, you, sir, in, in the Kia, are, are you here to take your wife, your girlfriend, your sister, your friend, and to get her an abortion? You're not being a man right now. You're failing to be a man. You're failing to do what God's called you to do, which is protect, love, and serve. And he goes on and on for 20 minutes, kind of with that type of tone. It was it was loving, but it was also like, do not, do not let this murder take place. Yeah, just a warning. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and he was definitely sharing the gospel and sharing why life is beautiful. Um, the Imago Dei. <laughs> <laughs> the, no. the proto-evangelium? Proto what? <laughs> Right, being made in the image of God and, and Jesus loving all, all types of people or something. So this goes on for about 10, 20 minutes. And the Kia, he turns his car on and he whips his car over to us. And he gets out of his car and it's this big dude. Um, black tank top. He's got like tattoo sleeves, bald uh, goatee, classic intimidating guy. And he like rushes over and he's like, I am so effing mad at you. And we all thought that he was going to get hit in the face. It's like, the things you were saying made me so mad. I wanted to kill you. And he's like, you have no idea what's going on in my life right now. And he went on to explain that his wife had cheated on him. And she was six weeks pregnant. Hmm. 
so he he his wife was carrying another man's child right and they they'd been married for a few years they had a few kids but he's like i'm not raising someone else's child i'm not doing this Hmm. but he said um what david was saying to him god really used to convict his heart and to show him what he was doing was wrong and how he wasn't really being a man how he wasn't protecting life and how he wasn't going to take his wife in to get an abortion and how he's going to raise his child Hmm. everything absolutely beautiful so um david prayed with him they swapped information and and they left praise the lord so so a, a life was saved um, and I just found out um, yesterday that he and his wife went to the doctor to do, you know, your routine pregnancy checkup or whatever. And they found out that she was actually 13 weeks pregnant, which means she was pregnant with his child. Hmm. So he was very close to having his own son killed. Hmm. But God worked through this guy, David, um, to save his son's life. Hmm. And... I mean, it sounds like they're still in contact, and um, we're really praying for them. Pray that they um, submit to Jesus as Lord, uh, yeah. become Christians, and everything. So that was seriously, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen someone's life saved before, hmm. and and that was awesome. It's hmm. beautiful. That is beautiful, and I like that. Uh, I love that picture of what love actually is, because I feel like our culture is just constantly telling us to be tolerant and accepting and. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not that's not what love is. Sometimes love requires hard truth, and um, that's just cool. That's cool to yeah. see. Yeah. Like the most loving thing that you can do. I was t- I was uh, had an opportunity to talk with a bunch of Andrew's friends a few months back. Probably, actually, it was more than that at this point. But um, several months back, he just had a bunch of people over, and I was out on the deck talking with him. And um, it got to the point where I just told him, "I'm like, guys, I'm not trying to offend you." Uh, but I am trying to share truth with you. And if you understand that the most loving thing I can do right now is rebuke mm-hmm. your lifestyle and, and mm-hmm. pr- present the gospel to you and, and walk you to Jesus, that that's the most loving thing I can do for you. Even if it's hard to hear and even if it's convicting and even if it causes a lifestyle change, like that's that's part of the, the sacrifice that Christ calls us to. And that's what, what love is. And so if I have this message of hope, if I have this... Um, you know, this redemption that I can offer you, you know, through Christ and I don't do it, that that's not loving. Right. So you may think that sparing your feelings is loving, but it's not. And so I love that. That's what David did. And you guys are out there. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. Sweet. Incredible. So, and now there's that opportunity for discipleship too. Yeah. Well, so so here's, here's the thing. What's even um, more bizarre is they actually drove all the way from Illinois. Really? They drove two hours there. Oh man. Because I guess that this was the nearest one that actually performed abortions. Wow. So, yeah. Pray, wow. pray for that man, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Pray, pray for him. Absolutely. Yeah. What's new with you? Nothing that cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, had a really, I've had a really great last couple weeks. Um, I got to, uh, I'm seeing a, a lovely girl right now and uh, was able to kind of tag along with her and her family vacation and go out to Florida, stay at a resort and be pampered a little bit. So that's, that was new and exciting for me, but it was just good to get to know her family a little bit better and spend that time with her. And then we got to go up to Michigan for Labor Day weekend as well and spend more time with them. So that was fun. And uh, outside of that, it's kind of been same old, same old. Work's been hard, but uh, good as well. So awesome. Yeah, not a whole lot outside of that. I bought a motorcycle recently. That's cool. Awesome. So my life is just luxury at the moment. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> you can read Radical. Yeah, I did. It's a great book. It's, it's a great book. Yeah, it's all right. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the Proto-Evangelio. 
the first gospel. First gospel. Good. That's right. Good. Uh, covenant theology. We talk about covenant theology, the gospel. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you is because we brought this up last week kind of as a teaser. By the way, thank you for everyone who, who bore with us through that recording. There were some issues that we had yeah. with the volumes and things. but You, you worked some magic, though. You, you made it work. I, tr- I tried, but hopefully hopefully we will avoid those issues this week. We're learning, so uh, so thank you for that. But uh, we were talking a little bit about what, what was to come, and this week we kind of, uh, kind of teased it a little bit, and we were talking about that we were going to be speaking on covenant theology and, uh, and the gospel. And one thing you kept saying, Aaron, is it's the same thing. You kept emphasizing that. Covenant theology and the gospel is the same thing so what what did you mean by that well first of all I was being a little immature and <laughs> taking a little jabs at dispensationalists um and baptists and no even though apology yeah uh, you know they're baptists that's... they're covenant theologians yeah that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> i was being immature okay all right um but i was also a little bit serious so when when i was saying that covenant theology and the gospel are the same thing what i meant was covenant theology teaches the gospel so you you guys have probably heard that there's like one thread of redemption throughout the whole entire scripture right and um that thread is attached by covenants so we've got um we talked a little bit about the covenant works we'll talk more about it today but you've got um after adam and eve fell you've got jesus saying look eve through your seed there's going to come someone who's going to crush the snake's head and the snake's going to bruise his heel and just throughout every single covenant that we'll end up talking about today it is um God revealing more and more of his truth right leading up to Jesus Christ leading yeah. up to the gospel excellent so so that's what I would say um, and I don't want to misrepresent dispensationalists and say they don't believe that at all because I, I think they do and I've talked to some really solid dispensationalists and um, a lot of my family members are and I love them to death and they absolutely are um, Bible believing um, Jesus following people um, I, I just Classic dispensationalism it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so Aaron's apologizing to dispensationalists, but I refuse to apologize to vegans. You guys got what you deserved. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I enjoyed a delicious I'm sorry salad. I didn't call you to repentance is no, what I'm sorry it. about. No. Stop it. Again, Adam and Eve did not eat meat probably. Probably, maybe. Possibly. Pro- probably. Yeah, until God killed that. Probably. So let's clothe them. So we already talked about um, the basics of covenant theology, three covenants, the covenant of works, the covenant of grace, and the covenant of redemption. Do you want to just go over those like over sure. 30 seconds? So yeah. What are those three? Uh, covenant of redemption. We'll start there. That's the inner Trinitarian covenant that the Father, Son, and Spirit made before the foundation of the world to carry out the plan of the covenant of grace. Uh, covenant of works would be what God gave Adam in the Garden of Eden, saying, don't eat of this fruit, um, you know, and Adam failed in that. So it's that that idea that if he w- was in that probationary period, if he would have carried out uh, God's instructions, you know, we wouldn't have had the fall on that kind of thing. But um, so the covenant of works would be what it sounds like, the covenant of works, Um the covenant of grace, probably didn't explain that very well. Covenant of grace being, uh, you know, when Christ came to redeem his people, it was that promise made first to Adam and then to Abraham. And, um, and then finally it, it was fulfilled in Christ and his sacrifice to redeem uh, his people from their sins. So, sure, sure. So um, just a little <laughs> disclaimer, we are Joe Schmo theologians. We are Joe Schmo theologians. There is a lot to know about covenant theology. Um, what we are going to be talking about is very, very basic, um, because we're very, very basic people. 
So if you hear something and you're like, well, you didn't talk about this or um, you totally misrepresented that, you, you're probably right. Um, this is a 40-minute podcast and this is a huge topic that you could spend hundreds of years talking about, which people have. <laughs> and we have books to read them. So th- just that being said, um, this is not at all exhaustive. No. No. So let's start with uh, Covenant of Works, Adam and Eve in the garden. God creates them. They're um, completely perfect, but not, they're perfect, but not complete. How about that? Is that fair? That's fair. So perfect meaning innocent. Right. Perfect, sinless. Perfect, not in the sense of not drawn to, or not, not prone to temptation. Also, I would say not complete either. So um, when Adam and, or when God creates Adam and Eve, he says, fill the earth and subdue it name all the animals, right. work, keep the garden, things right. like that. So he's saying, I have created a perfect world, but not a complete world in that you're made in my image and you're created to create. Mm-hmm. You're created to work. You're created to make art. You're created to build buildings. You're created to name things, to sing songs, um, X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, anything that you can imagine. Sure. You're, you're created to create. So uh, we were made perfect, but not complete. Sure. So that's, that's one part of the covenant of works where God says, be fruitful and multiply. So have a bunch of babies, fill the earth and subdue it. Okay, so, so you've got that. And then you've also got the don't part, which is do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Okay. So these two things are basically um, do and don't. If you fulfill this, you complete the probationary period, and then you are brought into a state where it's, you know, sin is basically impossible to, right, to right, have, right, essentially. Right. So where the potential for sin is gone right, completely. Right. So what happens? So Genesis 3 happens um, where Eve is deceived by the serpent. Um, and I just want to talk about this real quick. Uh, the essence of sin is made really clear here. I don't think the the sin that Eve committed was her jaw and her teeth coming down on a fruit, like piece of fruit. That's not, the, the act of it wasn't the issue. The heart behind it was. So when Eve told her, you can eat this, your eyes will be opened, you'll when be Satan like God. Oh, sorry, when right. Satan told Eve, yeah. yeah, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God. What, what she was basically giving into was a dissatisfaction in, in who God was and who she was. She wanted more. She wasn't satisfied in it. Um, so the essence of evil there was a dissatisfaction in who Christ was and, um, and wanting, wanting herself to be on the same pedestal as, as what God was. So, um, so she took a bite of the fruit, gave it to Adam, um, who was a coward and was just standing idly by, and then he took of the fruit. Um, and I think it's significant to point out that Adam was the one who God gave the instruction to to begin with. And so as he was with her and as he stood idly by, um, that's why we have the idea of, well, plus him being the, the head of the family, that's where we have the idea of that, that federal headship where because Adam sinned, we all sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what happened. And at that point, they didn't die immediately, but they died spiritually. So their physical bodies didn't die immediately, um, although they did later, but spiritually they died inside. Right. Well, it's one thing that's interesting is as you read... Um, the book of Genesis and you're reading um, the uh, genealogies and things, you see that they progressively get younger and younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple um, 
Uh, like Methuselah? Yeah, like Methuselah. <laughs> so there's other people who, who live a little bit longer than, than others. But for the most part, the age just keeps decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. So you've got sin corrupting literally everything. But do you think that's like a progressive corruption? I think so. Okay. I, I think so. Carrying I, on to this day? Uh, perhaps. So I think it's progressive corruption in the sense that things just keep getting worse and worse. Sure. Okay. Um, type of a thing. So I'm not at all poking fun at post-millennials at all. I just think that's kind of what, what took place. As soon as sin corrupted, we continue to sin more and more and more and more and things sure. continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. That, that, that type of thing. Okay. At some point we might do something on eschatology, but I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there they are in the garden. They sin. Um, God comes to them. Um, he gives them the first gospel. And he says, Eve... I am going to make childbearing very difficult for you. Adam, you're going to have to work your butt off and um, curses the ground that you're working on. Uh, devil, curse you and all things after you. Um, well said. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> What's interesting is uh, God does not curse Adam and Eve themselves. Right. He curses the things that they do, but he doesn't curse them. He does, however, curse the serpent. Which, again, is just part of, of that grace that God has. Because right after he, he issues out those curses, he says, Eve, from your belly, from your offspring, will come one who will crush the snake, who will destroy the snake. Proto-evangelium. Proto-evangelium. <laughs> okay, enough of that joke. Um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's just interesting to, to, to look at it that way. Also, people... Well, question, is Adam and Eve saved? Were they, were they Christians? Are we going to see them in heaven? There's people who um, debate about this. I, I personally think that they both were. Yeah. And, and the reason that I think that is because right after chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 4, it says Adam knew his wife Eve. So Adam and Eve are, are literally following God's instructions by procreating and having faith that through their seed, through their offspring, will come one who crushes the snake. Now, they had no idea... Um, the details of the gospel like we have but they had a very very small idea right and and so there they were following god's instructions and submitting to him through faith uh, that through their seed will come the snake crusher right right so they were they were saved by faith in the covenant of grace right um as it would be concluded in christ right um so the covenant of grace wasn't complete to them. It was, they didn't have a full orbed understanding of it, but it's progressively revealed over, over scripture. Right, right. So uh, what's, the, what's the next covenant? Well, hold on. Let's talk about this. I'm sorry. Again, um, we may brush through some other covenants because we're already almost 20 minutes in and we haven't even touched on the covenant of grace really yet. But <clears throat> I forgot what I was going to say. No, know. this is what I was going to say. So there are... <laughs> There are some people who, who look at the Genesis account of the fall and, and they say, I don't see how this is a covenant because the word covenant is never used once in there. Okay. I, I never see it. So how can you say it's covenant? A couple things. One, as you're reading that, do you ever see the word sin or transgression or, or anything like that? I don't think that you do. No, I don't think so either. So no one's going to argue that Adam and Eve didn't sin. Um, they obviously did. So the word doesn't necessarily have to be there. But if you look at Hosea um, 6, verse 7, this is, this is what it says. But they, speaking um, to Israel, like Adam, have violated the covenant. 
There they have betrayed me. So Hosea is recognizing that what happened in the garden between Adam and God was actually a covenant. So just because the word was not used in Genesis, the prophet Hosea is saying, actually, it, it was. So Can you read that again real quick? Yeah. Um, and this is the uh, Christian Standard Version. So oh, okay. there's that. Um, this is Hosea 6, verse 7. But they, like Adam, have violated the covenant. There they have betrayed me. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, and this is where the Joe Schmoness comes out, because um, I was talking with Aaron a little bit about this. I attended a... a uh, what do you call it? Like a seminary level class on covenant yeah. theology yeah, from did. a Presbyterian perspective at All his right. church. That was my first introduction to covenant theology. Don't and need I'm, anything else. And I'm just now doing some research <laughs> into Baptist covenant theology. And, Don't do that. <laughs> and so um, I will say I, I wouldn't. I would not make a claim that my feet are on firm sand here, but on firm sand, on firm rock. <laughs> um, shut up. <laughs> But um, I'm reading a book called Distinctiveness of Baptist Covenant Theology by Pascal Denault, if that's how you say his last name. And it's really helpful because it gives, it gives the Presbyterian side and the Baptist side, and it's kind of drawing distinctions between the two. And one of the distinctives he mentions from a Baptist covenant theology position would be that the covenant of grace was not given to Adam and Eve, it was the promise of the covenant of grace. And he would say the same thing about the Abrahamic covenant, um, that, that that is a promise of the covenant that is to come at the time of the new covenant. So when Christ comes, when he dies and when he rises and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, that's when the, the new covenant comes into place. But all these other people were saved on the promises in the Old Testament. All these people were saved on the promises of the new covenant um, that was going to be fulfilled in Christ. Does that make sense? Interesting. So Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. So so that's what he would say. So um, actually, that's what he goes through. John Knox and Nehemiah Cox or Cox or however you say his last name. And, um, Who? And uh, John Bunyan and all these guys that were Baptists at the time. John of Knox was not a Baptist. Uh, he was a Baptist covenant theologian. John Knox was the one who invented Presbyterianism, uh, basically. He and he absolutely Calvin. was... No, no, he absolutely was. All right, here we go. Hey, Pato. If, if this guy is saying John Knox was Credo, then I could have messed, I could have messed it up. I'm not infallible. Just close, dude. There's, uh, <laughs> there's no way. Now, here's why. Now, listen. To All right, hold on. Why you look this up? No, John because, Owen. Owen. Okay, John. Owen. Sorry, sorry. John sorry, sorry, Owen. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. John Owen John and John Knox. Bunyan and all the other Johns <laughs> except for Calvin and. Nehemiah and all those guys. So he, he, he references a lot of different people and, and gives some of their writings. He goes to John Ball and stuff for, for Presbyterian side. And so um, it's helpful, but that would be one of the distinctives that he makes. We spent way too much time on that. Let's go on. Okay. All right. So what's the next covenant? <laughs> the Noahic covenant. The Noahic covenant. And uh, let's talk about that for, for, for just a little bit. Okay. Um, what, what really is the covenant that God makes with Noah? Uh, I guess you should probably back up a little bit and just briefly tell the story of Noah. Not that anybody doesn't know that. Okay. Noah, worldwide flood, um, wickedness on the earth had become so pervasive that God's like, I'm going to destroy everything mm -hmm. except for Noah and his family. He mm -hmm. says, you've been living righteously, um, build an ark. Uh, here comes the water. And so the water comes, destroys everything off the face of the earth except for Noah and his family and two of each kind of animal. Quick note, those who were immersed died. Those who were sprinkled lived. <clears throat> That's neither here nor there though. Don't give me that look. Your exegesis is horrible. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. 
Uh, just like your hermeneutic. Uh, anyway, um, so so the Noahic flood came. Uh, they finally it dried out. They were able to come out, and God establishes His covenant with Noah with the sign of a rainbow, saying, "Never again will I destroy the earth as I have done here." Right. Um, so how is that part of the covenant of grace? Well, it's part of the covenant of grace because it is God sustaining the um, the line of Seth, Adam and Eve's um, third child that we know of, at least. So um, one, one thing that's also good to consider is whenever God makes a covenant, he makes it with uh, the individual and their family. Right. So with Adam and Eve, it was Adam, Eve, and their descendants. And then with Noah, it was Noah, your wife, your sons, and your son's wife. Right. So there's always like a federal head, a federal right. representative, and then the covenant blessings will trickle down <coughs> into their, their children sure. and, and their offspring. Yep. So um, that doesn't really solve anything. As soon as they get off of the ark, God says, all right, now fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply just like he did um, in the garden with Adam and Eve. Um, and, and one thing that's, uh, that we know that this was not God's like, plan of redemption was because it, it says in, in the Noahic account that man was still evil. And to prove that point, even Noah himself was still corrupt. Because right after they landed, he plants a garden. He gets grape juice wasted because you're a Baptist. Um, and what, not even a giggle? I'm sorry, I was reading. You're not even listening. Anymore. I wasn't even you're listening. totally zoned out. I thought, doing you had, a thing here. I thought you had Come this. Come on. I'm reading. All okay. right. Sorry. Okay. Jeez. Probably wasn't funny. So, <laughs> probably not. The, the point is, um, man was still corrupt. Man was still sinful. You've got Noah's son coming in and looking at him uh, while he was naked. Some people think that he... Um, molested his father while he was drunk I, I don't know about that maybe maybe not but the point is he sinned against them and so he was cursed and um it was through one of noah's other sons that the line of of christ basically continued okay so that's that's the the very basics of it and we only touched on it briefly because we were 25 minutes in we've still got a few more to go okay what's next uh the abrahamic covenant what's the abrahamic covenant uh are you still with us i'm still with are you, you sure i'm still with you okay. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact passage. It's, it's Genesis 17, right? Uh, well, it starts in well, Genesis starts 12, oh, actually, okay. where, where he calls Abraham out of uh, Babylon. For, right. For... right. So my off-the-cuff understanding here would be that um, God, made a, like you know what you're talking God made a covenant with, with Abraham, saying, I will make a great nation out of you. He does that through Isaac. Uh, the sign of that covenant was circumcision, and so... Abraham is Abraham is um, told to circumcise himself and everyone else in his household, all the males in his household, and uh, that that would carry on. So, well, so it wasn't even just that. So it was, hey, I'm going to make you a great people. Right. I'm going to give you a land, um, and through your line, the Messiah is going to come. Right. Uh, essentially, yep. so you, you see all these things played out, um, and and. Circumcision is a huge thing for Presbyterianism. Right. And, and we'll talk a lot about yeah, that we'll when we get about, to baptism and things. But Yes, yeah, so we won't spend uh, too much time on it. But um, again, the point is, you see God working with Abraham and how the covenant blessings um, go to him and his descendants after him and their descendants after him. So um, that's just very important and it's, and it's key to recognize. So... Um, I don't know. This is this is probably one of the, one of the bigger covenants because this is really when um, Abraham is pronounced righteous for having faith in God, mm -hmm. um, and it's through Abraham that the Israelites come, uh, that the Jews are are um, 
descendants of. So, I don't know. Do you want to spend more time on this? I mean, this is this is a huge covenant. Yeah, I mean, do you have other things you want to talk about in it? Well, I, mean, I do. We've hit the basics of what it. Yeah, let's means. let's let's save the the arguments for when we talk about um, baptism. Right. And I know there's that might be a longer episode. I don't that, know. That'll probably be a longer episode. And I know there's some listeners out there who like argue. <laughs> we had so, no. You don't get what you want. No. So there's there we was one person who who commented, and so if you're listening. Um, I saw that you commented on our page, and I wanted to respond, um, but it looks like it, it got deleted. So uh, I'm sorry that we sound like an echo chamber. We probably are to, we, an, ex- to an extent. I would agree. <laughs> um, I think unity within the body of Christ is beautiful, and we'll argue eventually. Yeah. We argued about Knox. That's <laughs> because I was wrong about it. Yeah, you were. That might be the only thing, but no, that's fine. Right. No, <laughs> sir. No, sir. Okay. Um... Yeah, you wanna you wanna play a game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do wanna play a game. Okay, excellent. I like games. Excellent. So I I didn't get too creative. Um, gonna go with the same format we did last oh, week with no. the Would You Rather. So my wife complained about that. Did she? She said it was boring. Oh, I she it was... said it was boring. and We were immature. We were immature, but we I thought it was, I thought it was fun. <laughs> I don't know. This one this one's not quite as gross, but it's probably more boring, honestly. Uh, I would I don't know why I was thinking about politics when I made this up. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Aaron, in light of recent events, I don't follow politics. Doesn't matter. You'll know this. Would you rather occupationally be Hillary Clinton's personal footrest for a living, nine to five every day, uh-huh. or? Would you rather work less hours but have to apply Trump's full-body burnt orange tanning oil before every major speech that's televised? Um, okay. <laughs> He's in a Speedo. Okay. But it's less hours. How many hours? Whenever there's a televised speech. Okay, so that's it. Yeah. Um, a televised appearance. A televised, televised appearance. appearance. Okay, so... This pretty much means I have to be with, like, at the White House or with Trump wherever he goes. I mean, let's just say that you have public transport or like private transportation. He'll just fly you out on a private jet whenever he needs to be oiled up for his big speech. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you doing it. It's hilarious. How much am I getting paid? Uh, a little over minimum wage. No, we'll just give you the what? same wage. We'll give you the same wage you have now. But remember, less hours. Okay. We'll give you enough to provide for your family and keep your standard of living. Okay. How about a little more standard of living? Mm-mm. Because here's the thing. If you I don't get if I'm not working, now. I want to spend money. So So you just need to learn to discipline yourself. So I, I mean that's fair. <laughs> I just <sighs> I don't think I'm making enough right now to rub down anybody. <laughs> okay. Alright. So you would rather I don't know about that. Can so, you think about how degrading that lifestyle would be? Both would be degrading. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> With Trump I'm looking at like what to to rub the oil down maybe an hour. Yeah, probably yeah, probably about an hour a rub versus yeah. eight hours a day on my hands and knees with Hillary Clinton's feet. Or is it just when she sits down? You have to be in her office at all times. I have to be in her office at all times. Right, and whenever she sits down, you're on your hands and knees. What if she doesn't want a foot rest? Let's just say that she sits a good four hours a day at least. Okay, that's probably true. But what if she doesn't want a footrest? What if she's sitting at a desk writing? Nobody no. uses a footrest while they're writing. You're gonna. She's still gonna. No, do people it. only use footrest. She's gonna when use you TV. four hours a day as a footrest. I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> yes, I'm also changing. Uh, never mind. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> how much do I get paid for that? Uh, 
Let's keep it with the standard of living. Oh You're not making money off okay, of this. Okay, where, where does she live? Hmm. Yeah, you don't even know. That's a great question. Because if, if she lives somewhere where you can make a lot more money in the standard of living. State house in Indianapolis. State house in Indianapolis. Well, Nobody she, lives in the state house Let's say she, she has a room there. It's Why? Fine. It's because. Why? Because she can't. Because she's Hillary Rodham Clinton. <sighs> she lost. And if you don't want to do what she wants, she'll kill you. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> fair enough. Exactly. Either way, you're going to be a shell of a man. That's just what it is. <sighs> my question to you is way less degrading. Oh my goodness! I had At least explosive you could fly. diarrhea. No, but you could have flown. Oh my word! All right, I'm closing the floor. Dang it! <laughs> I think I'm gonna rub Trump down. Oh, gross. and that's listen. That's not because of the personalities. It's because of the work hours. It's because I get to spend more time with my family. Mm. I mean, I'll have orange hands. Right. Um, you will permanently have orange hands. But think about this. I can possibly influence the president of the United States. You could. While I'm rubbing him down. That's true. A- applying oil. I'm like, hey, Trumpy. While you're applying oil. Hey, Trumpy. So taxes, right? <laughs> taxes. Let's just get rid of those. You know how Who abortion is still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. Can, we, can you believe that? Yes. Let's, let's, let's take care of that. Oh, you want me to do that? Okay. I mean, all right. So that's, that's what I would do. I would Interesting. Interesting. I would get orange hands. All right. Well, the Presbyterian is going to apply tanning oil to the president. <laughs> yeah. Let that be. How's your idea. pants? It's fine. You're Baptist. I haven't time traveled. Yeah, you're you're completely immersed. You gave in me that. you gave <laughs> me a world. <laughs> Good one. You gave me a world in which I don't have to do anything different. I can just keep things the same. Well, your world got incredibly worse. I'm nicer than you. That's fair. Okay. All right. So we might cut that out. <laughs> What covenant are we on next? <laughs> the Davidic covenant? No. No? No. Abraham. Who comes before David but after Abraham? Hmm. I'll give you a hint. Joshua. It rhymes with Moses. Moses. The Mosaic covenant. <laughs> You're mm. so prepared. Come on, man. I don't have notes. Okay, so... Uh, this is Joe Schmo. The Mo- Mosaic covenant. What's the Mosaic covenant? Mosaic Covenant, Ten Commandments. Um, some would say an extension of the Covenant of Works. Others would say not oh, so much. Right. So, so what do you think? Do you think it is an extension of the Covenant of Works or no? I am going to lean yes. You're going to lean yes. How I'm come? going to lean yes. I mean, help, help me understand that and help the listeners understand why. Um, so uh, Mosaic Covenant, God frees the people of uh Israel, from Ex- the Hebrews yeah. from um, Egypt, they come out, right. you've got the um, Ten Commandments that God gives. Some people call this the Sinaitic Covenant. I think Mosaic Covenant is just easier to say, so that's what sure. we're going to stick with. Sure. Um, I'm going to say it's an extension of the Covenant of Works because, as I understand um, covenant theology, the Covenant of Grace was revealed first to Adam, then to Abraham, progressively more revealed until it was ratified in Christ, if that's the right word. Um, and so the covenant of, like the covenant of works, you know, Adam failed in that. And I think that no one is saved by keeping the Ten Commandments because we have inherent sin, right? Because we have, uh, we're, we're depraved people. So no one's going to keep the law perfectly. The law was there to show people their, their sins. So they weren't saved by it. They were still saved and the faith of the promise of the covenant of grace, faith in the promise that the Messiah was coming. Um, but I think that there's a, a continuity in the covenant of grace, but a discontinuity between the old covenant, 
which would be the covenant of works and the new covenant, which is the covenant of grace that was established by Christ when he rose and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. So does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I mean, I'm not, I totally disagree <coughs> with you. I, I know you do. I'm not going to knock that position though, because there's a lot of people who are way smarter than us and um, do a lot of good work. People like Owen would be one. Mm. Uh, Michael Horton, more contemporary one, who is a Presbyterian, um, and he would hold to that. That's weird. Um, it's a little weird. So I don't, I don't take that position, and here's why. So this is Exodus two. So this is right after um, Moses kills the Egyptian, trying to protect the two mm-hmm. Israelites. What verse? Um, uh, verse twenty-four. Okay. So he flees. Um, he marries Zipporah, whatever, and then it kind of cuts to. Um, to this. So this is actually verse 23, this one I'll start. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficulty, or because of their difficult labor, and they cried out uh, for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Right. So, <clears throat> from the very beginning of the book, it's saying, Moses is saying through divine revelation that everything that follows in this book is because of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Right. So you have that. And then you've got, um, we have something to say? No, go ahead. All right. So then you've got um, the whole plagues and, and all this other stuff that takes place. And um, Pharaoh finally lets the people go. They cross the Red Sea, do all this, and then they reach uh, Mount Sinai. And this is, uh, the Ten Commandments are given. So this is chapter 20, verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery. Do not have any other gods beside me. So, um, sorry, that was my phone or your phone. Thank you, yours. So, from the very beginning uh, of this covenant, God is saying, I am giving you this covenant because I have redeemed you. Because I have freed you and I have brought you out of slavery. Mm-hmm. So you've got God saying, I'm going to bring you out because of the covenant that I made with Abraham. And here are the my, my standard of living for, for just a very simple way to say it. Followed by a whole bunch of other um, ceremonial laws and things like that. But I'm doing this because I have already freed you. Right. So I, I absolutely see this as an extension of the covenant of grace. As another administration. Yeah. So, that, so that's something I was <clears throat> thinking about and wrestling through today. Um, and I'll, I'll just be honest, I'm not prepared to give a exegetical hermeneutical reason on that. Sure. Um, I'll give you kind of an idea of where that comes from, from a Baptist perspective. And then maybe, yeah, one, of our, maybe one of our smarter listeners can come and kind of make sense of it. Um, but I'll, I'll talk with you about that more afterwards and we'll, we'll get into that sure in uh, later later episodes, especially probably when we're talking about baptism. But the idea is that when God says, this is the covenant that I gave to you, or this is, he's, he's talking about the promise of the covenant that is going to be, that is going to come in Christ. It's going to be ratified in Christ. So they would, uh, Baptists would go back to passages like, um, Galatians three, which I know there's some Presbyterian things in there too, but, um, they would go to Galatians three or Hebrews six through eight, mm-hmm. um, talking about how a covenant cannot be established until there's blood, um, and so there's some exegetical and hermeneutical things there that they would they would make the case that the covenant of grace wouldn't be ratified until um, till Christ comes. So when he's speaking to Adam, when he's speaking to Abraham, when God's speaking to Adam or Abraham, he's when he says like this is the covenant that I'm making with you, he's basically 
saying this is the promise of the covenant that's coming. This is the promise of the covenant that I'm making with you. It won't be ratified until Christ, though. So everything leading up to that point, they would still be under the covenant of works, having faith in the promise of the covenant of grace. They, they would be under the consequences of the covenant of works. They would not be held to the covenant of works. So, right. So, so I would agree with that. When, whenever, I mean, you mentioned blood, and, and blood is mentioned every time in every covenant. So you've got blood with, uh, I don't want to be gross, childbearing. Right. Um, You've got blood with uh, Cain and Abel with the sacrifices. Sure. We can talk about that later if we want to. Um, You've got blood with uh, Noah. Um, I mean, the people drowned. So I'm not going to say that someone bashed their head on a rock and blood spewed. That's probably happened, but that's what I'm saying. But the idea of Well, no, there was actually a sacrifice after they got off the ark. Right, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Noah sacrifices. You've got... Blood with Abraham with circumcision. Right. You've got blood with Moses also with circumcision, but also with all the sacrifices and stuff. So now this is foreshadowing Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Right. And and so that's what their faith is in. But God is giving them this this covenant, which is a covenant of grace. So I would say I would agree with everything there, except maybe the end. And like I said, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I have my feet on firm ground here. It's just that's that's the argument that I literally just read this afternoon. Sure. And so we'll be fleshing out more after this tonight, probably when we leave and over the next week. But anyway, so like I said, I, I went through the seminary course with Aaron for the Presbyterian side and that got all me, me all messed up. And now I'm reading the <laughs> I'm reading up. the opposing view and that's messing me up even more. So just trying to work through that and I'll, I'll probably have some better. And I apologize to all my Baptist friends who out there are like, no, he's killing it. But, well, no, that's why I said we're both Joe Schmo. Yeah, here. right. So feel free to email us. Tell me tell me where I'm failing here and we can talk about yeah, that more. Send so, us an email, uh, post something on our, our Facebook page, Joe Schmo Theology on Facebook or theology at gmail.com. We did get one email. Did we? Actually. So and I, I found it very discouraging. It said, I hate your podcast. Mm. And it was from you. It was from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I just wanted to see if something would come through. Yeah. No, it did. I saw, I saw it today. I'm sorry you were prepping. discouraged by it. I was like, I was like, oh no, who would send this? And I was like, oh, it's Adam. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Come on. I, uh, yeah. I thought we could have done better. That's fine. Right. Anyway. Uh, so the Davidic covenant, Davidic covenant. What is the Davidic covenant? Uh, as far as I know, it's the promise that the Messiah is going to come through David's line. That's the covenant that God makes with, with right. David. Um, the, the Messiah is going to come through David's line for sure. Also, um, that there will always be a King over Israel right. okay. uh, from the line of David. So uh, a lot of people are like, well, Israel doesn't have a king now, or there was a time when they were in exile and uh, they didn't have a king then. And, uh, they 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 may not have had one at the moment, but one was definitely um, coming. So there's there's um, psalms that talk about. I'm trying to look it up right now. That that talk about the line that God does not break His promises. Right. That. Uh, uh, what God says stays true. He's never going to lie to you. Um, things like that. So Psalm 89. Let me find that very quickly. Psalm 89 verses 33 through 38. And this is what it says. But I will not withdraw my faithful love from him or betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. 
Once and for all, I have sworn my oath by my holiness. I will not lie to David. His offspring will continue forever. His throne like the sun before him, like the moon established forever, a faithful witness in the sky. Uh, but you have spurned and you have rejected him. You have become enraged uh, with your anointed. You have repudiated the covenant with your servant. You have completely dishonored the crown. And it goes on to um, talk about how the city was overrun and, and taken captive. So um, God is, is punishing them right now, but he is not lying to them. He's not broken his covenant because ultimately you do see them come back. You do see them return. That's kind of a lot of what the book of Esther has to do with um, mm-hmm. God sustaining his people and yeah. bringing them back. Um despite them and that's part of what the covenant of works means we, we didn't talk about this with abraham shame on us but when god makes that covenant with abraham he um, puts abraham to sleep and abraham has this dream and in this dream well no no before that <laughs> before that god tells abraham take all these animals and cut them in half a bunch of different animals mm-hmm. hack them in half that's disgusting if you can imagine cutting a cow in half with right. like a knife or a sword right and then he says can you imagine that vegans can you imagine that <laughs> Um, so he puts them on one side. So you've got the, the front end on one side and the half end on the other. So you basically got like a path, a walkway of dead carcasses, blood everywhere. Okay. So there's your blood part mm-hmm. yep. again. And normally what would happen was the greater person who is making the covenant would say to the lesser person, you walk through that. And if you break our covenant, what happened to these animals is going to happen to you. Right. So God puts Abraham to sleep. And so instead of Abraham walking through that, there is like a flaming pot or, or a giant flame that goes through that. Yeah. And that, that's symbolizing God walking through there. Right. Saying that if if I break my covenant, this is what's going to happen to me. Right. Um, then you've got um, Noah with, with the rainbow. And I, I didn't look this up. It's in one of the prophets where it talks about God putting a bow in the sky and that yeah. bow representing mm-hmm. like an, a bow and arrow. And which way is that bow directed it's not directed down at earth it's directed up at right, heaven right kind of symbolizing towards god so you've got these these covenant of grace that says look when you break the covenant i'm going to bear that right and and so you in the davidic covenant here you're saying i have a king who's going to rule and reign forever right and ultimately you have jesus come who is from the line of david who is a king right now seated on the heavenly throne ruling and reigning with jesus or with god in heaven um you've got jesus bearing our sins on the cross for, right. for all the things that, that we sinned and we transgressed. Mm. And so God disciplines his people, but the punishment goes to Jesus. Mm. So that's why I say that the covenant, you know, covenant theology is the gospel. Right. And that's so beautiful. Just uh, like as, that was edifying what you just shared there. I was encouraged by it. Just to remember that God keeps his covenants, right? That mm-hmm. there's, that he doesn't change, that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, that he's faithful. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, that's just so in, encouraging uh, to remember. So thank you for that. Um, one thing before we move on, I just had a thought. So sure. you keep mentioning blood um, yeah. in each of these covenants, but I'm just going to throw this out there and you tell me what you think because I just literally had this thought now. Um, all of those are temporary, right? right? Christ, when he shed his blood... That was the eternal sacrifice, right? So do you think that that has any any bearing on whether or not the covenant was made with Adam or whether or not it was 
ratified in Christ, like established in Christ. I keep using that word wrong. I'm not sure what I'm gonna you Google mean. the word ratified. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but so so you keep saying that like the 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 covenant is established and there's blood, mm-hmm. but that blood is a temporary sacrifice, not an eternal sacrifice that we had in Christ. So does that not mean that 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 temporary blood is just pointing forward? Yeah, I would have something, I would but not that. actually. It, the, the blood of bulls and goats does not save. That's that's right. That's no, I, yeah. Okay, right. so, so we don't need to get into it. That's fine. I was just wondering what your thought would be on any of that. So right, and in, in, in regards to Christ's sacrifice, his blood was shed once for all. Mm-hmm. He rose again. That sacrifice does not have to be uh, redone. So every year, you know, the, the Jews would have Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, where they would come in and the <clears> priest would sacrifice for the people. Um, he would sacrifice for himself. He would go in and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, right? Things like that, and it would happen every single year. Every high priest would die eventually, and a new high priest would have to come. And Hebrews talks about, well, we don't need another high priest because this high priest hasn't died. Right. This high priest has spilled his blood. That that blood has been shed. Right. And and he rose again now. And he was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. Right. And and so I don't want to like I know some people can get pretty superstitious with the blood of Christ, like it was the blood that saved you. <laughs> it, it it was it was God's righteousness or Jesus' righteousness that was put on me and you right. that, that saved us. So that blood that was spilt was our blood. Right. Essentially. Well, yeah. Kind of. Well, I mean, more or less. Not like it wasn't like physically no, it a was, positive Aaron Murray blood. Yeah, it was, it was Christ shedding his blood on behalf of all of our transgressions. Right. So he takes our sin. Right. And... Bears that burden, right. bears that punishment, and gives us his righteousness. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, and we're not getting into any weird like transubstantiation stuff. Either, well, that has so. to do with communion. <laughs> I know, but we're you, not talking about you talk about weird stuff with blood. So I didn't just, talk about that much I was weird just going, stuff. I, was I said going, we're not. I was just going there. Okay. That's fine. All right. So um, <laughs> new covenant. We could probably save this for baptism. I mean, we're getting close to the end here. Um, but essentially, what the new covenant is is everything that Christ has done. So Christ fulfills every single jot and tittle in the law that in the mosaic law basically so mm-hmm. the um ceremonial law the civil law and the moral law christ right. fulfills it all right so no longer here i'll just read this from the confession um so uh this is on the covenant of grace this covenant was differently administered in the time of the law in the time of and in the time of the gospel under the law, it was administered by promises, prophets, sacrifices, circumcision, the Paschal Lamb, and other types and ordinances delivered to the people of the Jews, all for signifying Christ to come, which were, for that time, sufficient and efficacious through the operation of the Spirit, to entrust and build up the elect in the faith and the promised Messiah, by whom they had full remission of sin and eternal salvation, and is called the Old Testament. Under the gospel, when Christ the substitute was exhibited, the ordinances in which the covenant is dispensed are the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which, though fewer in number and administrated, are more simplicity and less outward glory, yet in them is held forth and more fullness, evidence, and spiritual efficacy to all nations, both Jew and Gentile, and is called the New Testament. There are not, therefore, two covenants of grace, differing in substance, but one, and the same under various dispensations. So, so now I'm going to read it from the London Baptist Confession. <laughs> I go ahead. Because you mean, got into some things there. Go for it. All right. This covenant is revealed in the gospel, first of all to Adam and the promise of salvation by the seed of the woman. 
and afterwards by further steps until full discovery thereof was completed in the New Testament. And it is founded in the eternal covenant transaction that was between the Father and the Son about the redemption of the elect. And it is alone by grace of this covenant that all of the posterity of fallen Adam that were ever were saved did obtain life and blessed immortality. Man being now utterly incapable of acceptance with God upon those terms on which Adam stood in his state of innocency. So that just got to the point where you were getting into like administered differently under two covenants that got a little Presbyterian for me. So I mean, that's that's Bible though. All right, whatever. So anyway, um, I'm going to cut off your cut off your thought though. Um, let me make sure this is the right passage here. Sure. For while we were still weak, at the right time What's Christ passage, died for sorry. the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was not the passage I was looking for, but also a great passage. Um, <laughs> Basically what I was getting at, there's that passage in Romans, and I think it's, I don't know if it's 8 or, What's or the chapter 5. Uh, just as sin entered the world by one man, which was Adam. I think it's 5. That's what I thought too, but I was missing it. So just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, so redemption comes through Christ. So this is uh, verse 12, chapter 5. Therefore, Thanks. just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was not in the world before the law, but sin is no, not charged to a person's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many? Right. So what what I was getting at there is that where or where Adam failed in the covenant of works, Christ succeeded in the covenant of grace. Right. Just as sin entered through Adam, so righteousness can enter through Christ. Right. So that's that's the idea of the the covenant of grace, in a nutshell. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I think uh, we talked about this ad nauseum, and people are going to be probably more confused now. Um, before we wrap up, why don't you? Re- tell us what that book was again yeah. some of the resources you were using so so if there's anyone like me out there who heard of covenant theology like a year ago and you had no idea what covenant theology was and in, in opposition to dispensational theology you had no idea what that was either and you're just trying to figure out some of this stuff yourself um i would i'm not finished with the book but i can i've been far enough along i'm about 50 pages from being done and i can i can recommend uh the distinctives of baptist baptist covenant theology by pascal denault um and i would recommend that to to anyone because what he does is he puts on the table the presbyterian side and the baptist side and i think he does so pretty accurately um, so it really helped me kind of develop a more fully orbed understanding of Presbyterian covenant theology, as well as start diving into some Baptist covenant theology. Um, and so that's why, uh, I'm, I'm still working through it, but I thought it was really helpful. And he even gets into some things like the Socinians, uh, just after the Reformation who were kind of like, sort of like modern day dispensationals, but had some wonky beliefs as well about like works-based righteousness and things. So um, it's, it's, it's helpful, uh, depending on, I mean, regardless of what, what side of the fence you land on to just kind of see the other person's perspectives and maybe understand a little bit more in depth about your own. Cause he does get into some hermeneutical things as well. And so it's, it's helpful. So 
Sure. Um, <clears throat> all mine are definitely Presbyterian side. Sure. So if you're a Presbyterian and you want to strengthen your beliefs, great. If you're a Baptist and you want to kind of understand um, what we believe, these are all good resources. So the first is um, The Christ of the Covenants by O. Palmer Robertson. This, <coughs> this one is a little more heady, um, a little more involved of a read. Uh, it's not like you can just breeze through it. You kind of have to take your time. It's used in a lot of seminary classes, if that tells you anything about the caliber of the book. That's not to say that nobody can read this. I mean, I'm a dummy, and I'm, I'm reading, and I'm getting a lot out of it. So it, it's good. You're not a dummy. The second is, this book is fantastic, and I would recommend it to anybody. It's, it's much more accessible than Christ of the Covenants, um, and it's a lot smaller. It's called Covenants Made Simple by Jaunty Rhodes. Um, it's, you, if you read it all, you could read it in one day, but it, it's, it's a beautiful book that talks about covenant theology, um, definitely from the Presbyterian side of view. If you are more into audio, you can go on to RTS's website, Reformed Theological Seminary, or you can download their app, and they have um, some lectures from their classes, and one is Covenant Theology by Ligon Duncan. Um, that's, that's really good. I, I've listened to that one multiple times. It's, it's very helpful. I always learn new things. If you want to get things more in a nutshell um, from someone who's much smarter than us, YouTube Kevin DeYoung, Covenant Theology. Um, he has a whole sermon series on um, systematic theology, and one of those is Covenant Theology. So it's about 40 minutes long. Um, he talks about Covenant Theology much more concise and precise than Adam and I did. Um, so if you're in audio, there, there's that. <laughs> it would almost have to be. He would almost have to be. <clears throat> also the Bible. Yeah, that's a good start. It's a great start. <laughs> well, uh, you want to get into Crazy Town here real quick? I do. I'll be brief. Um, it's Crazy Town again. Crazy Town. Where we Is that take... what we named it? That's what you named it. I hated that. I didn't that. name that. Yes, you did. No. And I was like, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard. No. But I just deferred because I'm All a right. passive person. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll, <laughs> we'll fix All it. All right. Take me to Funky Town. Have you ever heard of the Cadaver Synod? Oh, I think I have, but tell me more. Okay, the Cadaver Synod. So my church history is not great, um, so I didn't have a whole bunch of stories offhand. So I got on Google, and I Googled weird <laughs> weird slash funny church history. Well, great. Now all our materials ruined because they're going to look up that too. Well, it was kind of great because literally everything that came up was about Catholics. So I was like, good job, Catholics. Um, <laughs> but Pope, Pope uh, Formosus... He was a pope. Uh, I believe it was eight hundred nine. Oh, dude, I don't remember this. Story. I don't know. It was it was early, early pope. Uh, anyway, he died, and apparently his successor, Pope Stephen the Sixth, did not like this guy. And I'm not entirely sure why. I didn't do enough digging, but he did not like this guy. So he basically Formosus kind of took the role, and apparently he wasn't supposed to. Like he wasn't like the right person in line for the papacy. And so Pope Stephen was like, hey, this is unjust. So they dig up this guy's nine-month-old <laughs> rotting corpse, and they dress him up in all his papal gowns and things and put him on a, on a trial chair and have some deacon answering questions for him, just some random deacon out there like answering questions. That poor guy. Yeah. So then they convicted this nine-month <laughs> dead pope of, of taking the pap papacy when he wasn't supposed to. And they cut off three of his fingers put weights around him and drown him in the river. Well, that caused such an uprising <laughs> with the people that they actually took Pope Stephen and threw him in jail where he died like two months later. So don't take up dead bodies, guys. That's a bad thing. Do you remember when Olivia went to uh, Rome last year? Uh, yeah. She sent me a Snapchat while she was in the Vatican. <laughs> 
apparently you're allowed to have your phones in there. And they had like dead Pope cadavers. Whoa. Oh, it's disgusting. That is terrible. Yeah. Catholics. Why do they do that? I don't know. That's that's weird, guys. If there's a Catholic listening to this, send us an email and tell us why. Yeah. That would be very helpful. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, to uh, next next time we meet, two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about Calvinism. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the qualms that Arminians would have with Calvinists as well, so taking some things from their perspective and kind of fleshing that out. So I want to encourage you, if uh, you have questions about Calvinism or concerns or whatever, shoot us an email. We'll, we'll try to respond to those, uh, to those objections you might have uh, during our next cast. So uh, as soon as this drops, get on our Facebook page or send us an email and Drop us a line. We'll, we'll try and get back to you. Right. Special thanks to Jed Enos, who provided the artwork for us. Yeah, Jed. Uh, fantastic guy. Look him up on Instagram. He does great work. Um, you won't be sorry. So, uh, until next week, remember, every Joe Schmo can grow some mo. <laughs> oh, gosh. Peace!